You see things and you say why but I dream things that never were and I say why not George Bernard Shaw Digital dreamers in today's episode I am hosting Habib Mahboob he is senior vice president business excellence Tech Mahindra Group it had been an honor and absolute privilege to host this man he has 27 plus years of experience and wealth of knowledge to share for any young professional someone who is a consultant and try to start up their consulting business should listen to this podcast and throughout the interview you will notice how humble he is that's absolutely marvelous to notice i really look up to this man and i am so glad that i could bring him to my episode of my show please enjoy and listen to it and take a lot of notes if you can during our interview he kind of shared the kind of books he liked to read and reread and which had inspired his uh consulting work i'll be sharing them in my show notes at the same time i kind of asked him a question in terms of his mission statement in life and being in it and being in consulting he shared a agile manifesto related mission statement which is so interesting i'll be sharing that in my podcast note as well without further ado go ahead listen to this show and enjoy hope you'll really really like it welcome digital dreamers welcome to today's episode today i have the privilege to host Mr Habib Mahboob who is a management consultant and senior vice president with Business Excellent he is the consulting and management services practice for Tech Mahindra clients typically leverage Habib's expertise to identify the impact on digital technologies on their businesses and when i am saying clients these are global leaders c level executive just to give you a context some of the recent engagements of habib include developing a factory of the future roadmap or for one of the world's largest automotive films identified over 200 million of saving and 0.5% ebita and impact through digital initiatives on the shop floor like that he had another example which i found interesting just to show you the diversity of his work and expertise and one of the best consultant to be there in the industry overall is he developed and roll out a standard application support factory model for one of the world's largest pharma companies in the US this model enabled the client to obtain substantial cost optimization through standardization and economies of scale 155 million UKP in 6 year if i read through his bio and his achievement it will probably take me hours without further ado i'll just jump straight into the show and welcome habib in today's episode thanks habib for sharing your precious precious time for my listeners how are you doing today i am doing good dilami thank you for having me in this conversation the pleasure is all mine so without any ado i will kind of jump into direct into the question because i'm just interested to know you have 27 years of elaborate careers and 20 years with 
Tech Mahindra and Business Excellence, and you are the Global Vice President and Leadership. So just tell me about a little bit about your journey, the highlights, the lowlights, in whichever way you want to describe. Yeah, it's been a fairly uneventful journey for me. Um, probably I would I would uh, put this into two or three phases of my career, and in some manner they are also tied to the location I have been. So once I finished my graduation in engineering, I started working for a large uh, manufacturing unit, and I was fortunate to be selected to set up their greenfield site in Baroda, Gujarat. So I traveled to, to Gujarat for that, and uh, I ended up spending about 10 years there. Uh, as I set up the plan there, I sort of started to realize uh, how building something is different and then how, how interesting problem solving potentially is. Uh, and that set me off in a career in consulting. Uh, later from Baroda, I shifted to Hyderabad and I've been with this firm, uh, Tech Mahindra, and previous to that, Satyam Computer Services for the last 20 years. Uh, so here I have moved from roles that were individual contributor sort of roles initially to leading engagements and subsequently today to managing a business. Uh, but underlying all of them, I think, uh, has been uh, being able to work with stakeholders, framing problems properly, solving them, and, and that has been the key theme of my career. Thanks, Aviv. Uh, and you are joining today from Chicago, Illinois, and I'm hosting you from uh, UK. And that's the broad sense of consultants we have around the world from business excellence. And uh, in terms of if you work with uh, like consultants are problem solver at key core. And I sometimes used to joke so if someone asked me, what does a consultant do you do? I was like, in simple terms, we are doctors for business. Like what doctors do for people, we do it for business. That's my simple definition to them for my friends who are not aware of it. Mm -hmm. But it's you get to, to have <laughs> thank you. But you work with C-level executives and these are the smartest and the brightest people. And we are talking about Fortune 500 companies level C-level executives here. But if someone like a young consultant a millennial is starting over or a young entrepreneur who probably wants to set up uh, his or her consulting business. What are the two or three things you want them to keep in mind or you think matters in this business? A very interesting question to ask because today when we look at consulting as a profession, you see people with very diverse skills in this industry today. Uh, when I started my career, I still remember there used to be this famous Indian author called Sharu Rengnekar. He joked that anybody who has a blackboard and white paint could become a consultant. Uh, but, but at that point in our careers, probably quantitative skills, being able to analyze a lot of data was a critical element of a role in consulting. Yes. But subsequently as, as customer empathy, etc started to become more important uh, design thinking became more important you started to see people who are bringing a far more diverse set of skills 
beyond the typical quant skills. Uh, so today you see people with background in psychology, in arts, uh, doing work in consulting. Uh, but to me, as I said in my introduction, um, uh, a good consultant uh, probably really focuses on problem solving. They enjoy problem solving. Uh, they enjoy solving problems which are ill-defined. Uh, yes. In many cases, a consultant's journey has to start by getting an understanding really of what is the problem that they are trying to solve, right? Then they have to figure out what is the best way to solve this problem. Uh, so, so to me, uh, if someone starting out a career in consulting, I would say that um, it's not so much about your previous background, etc. It is far more about um, what do you enjoy doing. Uh, and, and if you enjoy problem solving and solving problems of bigger and bigger magnitude, then you would probably find yourselves a good fit in consulting. The other key elements are the, the sheer ambiguity of some of these problems, being able to live with ambiguity, uh, being able to live with people with diverse opinions. These are all things that we should consider before taking up a career in consulting. Uh, definitely. I am gl so glad that you mentioned the ambiguity portion of it. Like I personally had a privilege of working with five, seven clients in the very first five years of my life, which is quite unique. And I'm grateful to Tech Mahindra for giving me that opportunity very early on. But that ambiguity part, it's kind of a big part and how you handle that, how well you handle that stakeholders and their narrative and their problem that that's something like if I can manage that one part in my brain used to be like if I can manage that probably I can help them and I used to go with a very blank state I don't know what's your approach is I used to go with a blank state like okay I have learnings but each clients are different their story is different doesn't matter which in if even if they are same industry speaking of industry what about IT like what are like in terms of IT consulting, in terms of COVID, uh, post-COVID-19 in a pandemic era, IT is one of those industries who are in the forefront of enabling people. Do you think the opportunity or the skill for the IT company specifically or the IT consultants, it's going to like kind of accelerate in next few years? Or it, do you think it's just like like it will uh, keep on the normal trend? So my personal view is that we, we shouldn't so much get carried away by the pandemic in some way. Uh, these black swan events will continue to happen. And I don't think that whatever we say, we will be able to predict for it. Uh, yes. We can build some amount of resilience with each of us as individuals and uh, us as a firm and for our customers. Uh, and that resilience would come from, I mean, one, there is the, the entire capital uh, and the financial structure of the firm itself, how much of uh, uh, sudden disruptions can it absorb, but it will also come internally within how you are organized, your ability to, to very quickly sense a new opportunity, pivot and all that. So that there would be, I would say, under Lying building blocks within a firm uh, that would that would address uh, black swan events, 
but in my my view is that we we need to take a slightly more broader and longer perspective uh, right as, as we start to build careers uh, as we start to look at what do we ne do next what is going to be the future so when you look at all those mega trends that are there one definite mega trend is the increasing role that technology is going to play in our lives yes absolutely and 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 that that would mean not just at the personal level in terms of how i use technologies as zoom it would also be how technology gets embedded into a product huh? and therefore the need for for uh, people who can build and support those so the moment you you move away from a very narrow focused okay i'm an it professional to to maybe a yes. slightly more broader i'm a technology professional right who is quickly able to absorb new emerging trends in technology and use it in different contexts there will continue to be a need and not just small need i, I assume that's going to that that need is going to scale up more and more absolutely uh, the 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 amount of core what i would call coding sort of skills that are required will will come down dramatically but being able to understand technology understand the business context and configure that technology to that specific business context uh, that skill will be uh, increasingly needed as we as we embed technology more and more through new products new business models new business processes all of those okay, yes uh, absolutely and speaking of technologies and trends we know as business excellence and tech mahindra we are working on various major digital transformation i am aware we cannot take exact client name but is there any technology you are currently working just out of curiosity you are very very interested in one or two it can be multiple or it, it can be amalgamation of few the latest technology which are like the buzzword or the industry is excited for i can talk about one or two recent projects that we have started to do but uh, like i mean i i i joke that uh, something that i have tended to do or i have really been focused on is not to get carried away by a special specific technology ah. uh, because uh, to me these these uh, these techniques or methods evolve over the time Uh, but the underlying aspects of how and why the customer uses these don't change uh, so to yes. give you two examples of business problems that we are trying to solve uh, we are currently working with a, a car manufacturer here to see how could we use data from so today you know most of these cars have an element of connectedness they have yes. many many sensors embedded into cars with sort of generate error codes etc we are trying to see how could we potentially use these error codes more effectively huh? in a in an ideal scenario uh, right you, your car should never break down because these error codes should uh, uh, should tell you that this potential problem can happen and and it should uh, direct a workflow to uh, to drive a set of actions which would ensure that things are taken care before the um, uh, product breaks down so we are we are trying to understand how do we analyze the data how do we make sense of the data and then embed that data or the decisions based on that data into the workflow of the customer 
Uh, another another project that we have started is around data management again. Uh, and in, in, this, in this case, it's far more focused on the traditional uh, business application related data that the customer has. Uh, we are trying to figure out how mature are they from the governance perspective of this data uh, and, and how could we potentially improve those. Uh, uh, so, so just giving you uh, the, uh, these two examples are more data oriented, but but broadly across the spectrum of digital, whether it be robotic process automation, artificial intelligence, we are seeing customers looking for uh, business uh, cases and use on on using this data or using these technologies in the context of their business. Just out of like personal curiosity, because you took data related example, like because zone and GDPR is a big, big discussion of it. So uh, if you're working for US, do you see that becomes like, you know, security of client data and how you use it? That becomes an issue. I know you talked about car, not personal data, but I'm just curious to know how it works there in that side yes, of it. Data, data. Data privacy and national regulations related to data will be a major area of focus. It's it's not. I mean, uh, in the in the US, they are currently working on an equivalent version of GDPR. Uh, there are many nations, or India, all of them, uh, establishing a set of regulations related to how data needs to be treated. And, and sometimes it is not just personal data. It is also data about multiple other aspects. So, so working with customers in terms of trying to modify their operations to address data needs of a specific nation state will definitely be an opportunity going forward. And, and that would probably also require potentially modification of the product itself. Uh, yeah. Today, in many cases, it is a website that's collecting personal information that that needs to be controlled. But increasingly, there will be many, many other items. I mean, I can visualize a car, let us say, that's that's being driven from, say, Germany to Belgium, and maybe maybe now from Europe to UK, which may have to have a different configuration settings to address uh, uh, regulatory requirements that may yes. be different in each of these countries. Huh? So, so yes. It's uh, an interesting world, isn't it, out there, how much thing can happen and with technology and its advancement. Well, we will see the stories coming out and we'll probably will evolve along with it. Uh, sure. I will now segue to a little bit different topic rather than the business. I'll come back to it later. I just want to know, like, when I go to the internet or go to a website or books there are a lot of success stories we get to see like how how do you come uh, but one thing and especially probably in the scenario we are living in like how do you like what are your personal tricks or strategies or rituals i'm very interested in th that that how, how do you handle pessimism or whatever overwhelming situation or high stressed situation what are your tricks of the treads i try to collate it like it's again a very inter personal interest of mine to know i don't know whether i have i have many many tricks that way i also go through these ebbs and troughs to at some point things don't work the way you want etc but something that has carried for me uh, was a piece of advice that one of my seniors gave me. See, there is nobody but you to, to judge your performance. 
So the moment you start to let someone outside you be the judge of your performance, uh, you are you are setting yourselves up for sorrow. Sometimes for sorrow, sometimes for extreme happiness. Uh, yes. Okay. So so I have tended to be. Uh, I mean, while I while I acknowledge uh, feedback from any everybody around me, and I see uh, what I can absorb from those. But finally, I have tended to think of myself as the judge of my performance. So, which means that I set up my own plan, do, check, act cycles, right? It could be a small one that at the end of a meeting, I, I say, oh, what could I have done better? Or what did I do good there? To maybe doing a review at the end of three months, at the end of six months, at the end of an year. And that becomes your personal rating scale. And you, you, you review yourselves against your personal standard rather than again something that has been set up by an external agency. Uh, so that has always given me a level of control uh, and maybe motivation to, to, to sometimes justify the performance in some manner, but in many cases also to say, well, okay, there is an acknowledgement saying that this performance is good. Here are potentially areas where I could have done better. Uh, so my submission to all of you is to is to maybe go away from an external focus of control, right? Or, or getting driven by an external point of control to start to build that, that internal uh, locus of control. I mean, you, you, you need to be able to internally figure out how to control yourself. Oh, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to relate because I have started this exercise on of my own since last year. Like previous to that, it was like, you know, for me, uh, like just go 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 just get it done get this done like a go-getter mindset which is not bad but when I was reflecting I thought I need to due to certain incidents that I need to reflect and I was like okay this is not making me just getting it not making me happy so I kind of wrote down 12 areas of life where I want to achieve equal success and I have like created my own self-review process like self-appraisal every three months like I go back like I write my journals I go back and just open it and read through them in every three months to see how it had happened and this podcast is one product of that review process so like and I'm, I'm probably not, not that systematic some of these things but these are good good practices people can adopt yes but I think self-reflection definitely is, is a practice that everybody should should adopt. Okay, great. That this is going good. Another thing is like there are a lot of rules, and this is again a personal interest of mine, and probably it will help people who are like you know, like your mindset. Obviously, you learn from your own mistake, but I have a philosophy that you can learn from others' mistakes as well. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily you have to do it everything yourself, but there if you have to go back and advise your 20 years self 30 years self do you do you do will you do anything differently or you will let it be like it can be both yeah so at, at one level of course there's no meaning in going back and saying yes. uh, i could have done this differently right yes huh? but but maybe maybe I, I look back and i would say that th there are these points in your career maybe there was someone's advice or someone's realize i mean you personally realize something and then that that made a, a dramatic change uh, 
uh, one of those points i think i think which may be uh, interesting to some of your uh, people some of your uh, audience starting their career was an advice from a reporting manager of mine saying please raise your hand uh, so what happens is that in in many corporate scenarios uh, you get asked to volunteer for things yes uh, and at, at many points you you are you are conflicted in your head because you continue to want to say do things that you are currently doing which you know is in many cases a full plate uh, sometimes you have doubts about your ability to do those new things uh, yes and in and all of them together you you end up say not volunteering for some of these things that let's say your management asks you to do uh, mm-hmm. uh, and and uh, uh, rm of mine specifically said uh, habib i mean uh, see among all the people in on the table i think you are best qualified to do the job but unless you raise your hand saying that you will do it he cannot give me that job yes absolutely thou uh, ask thou shall receive i guess to an extent yes. it's also yes. that like you have to ask for it that i can do it can you give it to me yes. now yes. uh but uh, there so, are like yeah sorry go ahead. no no so i was saying so so if if i had to 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 if i had to look at those reflections i still don't volunteer too much huh? <laughs> i wait for someone to tell me okay you can do this go do this but maybe maybe i would i would have volunteered a lot more huh? so that's probably one example of things that that people can do uh, uh, better in their careers uh like one of the thing which used to motivate me when i were i just started uh i used to fear failure so much i used to go ahead and give my all probably to an obsessive level but i will do that just like i know there are very negative connotation associated with fear but to me often i think it can also be productive depending how you channel it like for me it was that like oh my god i don't know anything so i have to learn everything and give it my all and that had helped me obviously it's evolved through the process as you grow older and wiser probably it kind of keeps changing like do you think like do you fear anything i mean you are at a level where you know so like you are control of your you are good or master at your game or consulting and we are trying to go there we are trying to achieve that sort of mastery uh, so what what do you think what what aspect fear yeah, plays I mean, in your so, mindset so, yeah I, i definitely agree with you i mean i think all of us have this this specific what i call a fear of failure coefficient Uh, and it is built a lot of times based on our upbringing in some manner uh, yeah. right and maybe our past experiences in some way uh, and 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 that many times limits or or sometimes helps us to to take a lot of decisions uh, uh, getting over it would always be a, a good thing to do or or increasing that fear of fa- failure coefficient right the amount of risk one is willing to take uh, Uh, in in management there is this concept of batna right what is the best alternative to a negotiated agreement yeah. uh, similarly when faced with a with a specific context it makes sense to ask what is the worst that can happen uh, and and then that that in turn then leads to a certain confidence in yourselves and that could potentially enable you to move in a certain direction 
and yeah. most most successful people i'm sure at some point have uh, overcome that uh, fear of failure or or their perception of risk to be able to take meaningful steps forward mm -hmm. just before coming to this conversation i was listening to to the ceo of uh, salesforce talking mm -hmm. about making this acquisition this massive acquisition that they have done of slack yes so there are a set of people who would always say it's a massive acquisition to do uh, the risk is very high etc but i'm sure uh, it's it someone's ability to say this is the risk this is how i quantify it this is what i'm going to do to manage it therefore i should take this decision mm -hmm. that makes a lot of difference so the, like what you are saying that there is risk mitigation strategy in place and i think all of big businesses do, does it all around there are this is a thing but at the same time that there is fear can be driving force as well like am i yes. interpreting um, it right or yeah like, I'm, i'm saying that uh, that uh, at an at a business level definitely yes even at an individual level <coughs> apologies Yeah, ability to say that this is what i perceive as risk uh, and that this is how i am going to mitigate it would probably enable me to overcome that fear of failure right and therefore trigger action uh, when yes. when you are you are sort of stopping doing something because of a fear of failure trying to look at risks and manage them looking at the worst case scenario and say what could happen etc would enable you to overcome that fear of failure and and therefore maybe maybe trigger a certain path or action okay all right great so from there i will kind of segue to some of the consulting question again tricks of the trades for my benefit and my listeners benefit of course so there is a quote of pythagoras which says the oldest shortest words yes and no are those which most thought especially for a consultant when we are consulting our clients critical clients how do you what are your strategies to say no when you know like saying no will be good for them or it has to be a hard stop how do you balance that is there any way or you, you just treat it case by case i just i'm curious because i feel yeah, that's a very a interesting person to answer this question uh, nilomi because my colleagues tend to tell me that i tend to tell yes a lot more uh, where i should have been saying a no uh, i have but uh, my defense to it would be to say that i tell a yes but a lot more than a no uh, or an yes however or yes uh, have you thought of this uh, because um, and then maybe maybe that's a, a personal uh, nature that i should probably i i mean i i and I, i would say that the i i'm probably not a right person to answer this question uh, because i have tended to say no far less times than i probably should <laughs> I am glad that you have said yes to me <laughs> however but i guess like uh, i can probably as a, in a sentence i will say yes to a very very difficult client hypothetical difficult client yes but have you considered this this consequences and probably give one or two three bullet points of solutions 
or alternative suggestions to them yeah. does does that sound nice to you yes yes so, so I, I mean i i would say that see i've been a concept called integrative thinking which uh, essentially mm -hmm. says that if you really think hard uh, you will find this and solution uh, which sort okay. of rather than an or solution uh, most of the no's are to me an or solution in some manner where you have to let go of something to do something else uh, but i have always loved engagements where um, because we have been able to bring an amount of thinking and anal analysis we end up with an and solution which address the customer's need while also addressing some of the the constraints or challenges that that we have so which is also probably another reason why i end up not saying no to many of my clients yeah but but yes i'm i'm definitely sure that there are there are situations where i should have probably said a no or at least told them yes if you are to do this it has these consequences i would probably address them with a lot more data uh, bringing in facts bringing in comparisons etc hmm? and then maybe bring in a, a larger set of stakeholders from the client side to the conversation and this this discussion that may be ways in which i would address a situation where we would have to tell a client you know thanks thanks for explaining that and you mentioned about integrity think of th integrity thinking right uh-huh is there yes, a there's book a uh, uh, okay, is yes. there a concept? If I Google it, will I find? Yes, uh, or... it, it, it's, yes it's, it's developed by an author called Roger Martin. A lot okay. of design thinking also uh, takes inspiration from there. Okay, In now I'm... Integrative thinking. Now I will just link those link for my uh, listeners in the show notes. Uh, like if I can find it, like Roger Martin is the name, isn't it? Okay. Sure. And since we are going through the digital transformation and digital age at this point, uh, what are the two or four, like, you know, what are the, uh, what are your tools or techniques to watch the industry trends? You mentioned about just listening to CEO of Salesforce before this, uh, this our interview. So what do you do on a daily basis to be, you know, up to date or on top of the trends where the industry is happening? Do you have a practice in place or do you go to a certain website or read any particular website to uh, stay in touch with the trends? It has never been a question of one website. Um, mm -hmm. So one thing I would always recommend to many of you is uh, is to use Google Alerts. And, and that's been one of my favorite tools. I mean, the moment I, I want to learn about a topic, um, I, I tend to set a Google Alert on it, uh, that topic. And, and then at least for a period of time, collect information. And then and, and that enables you to bring a lot of information across multiple sources together. Okay. Uh, the uh, other other maybe uh, it's reality oriented. I I tend to be focused a lot more on detail. Uh, so I routinely discard uh, like two page uh, documents in 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 place for a ten page document, uh, or or a sixteen minute video in place of a, a five minute or a ten minute video. Uh, so. Uh, if let's say I see a TEDx uh, talk which is very popular, I would tend to go look at the, the the presenter and see whether there is a more detailed book or video that that person has 
as uh, produced or or which um, so i i tend to get into a lot more nitty gritty and detail of these topics and that's probably the way i learn and then i i think it it varies from person to person but just giving you a like a, a one angle to how to how to learn better and and maybe learn a lot more nuanced um, approach to a topic uh, rather than j just the broad generalities Oh, that, that that's a in, interesting like i i do it only for like uh, before trying to read any book if i'm not aware of it i kind of go to the summary but i do it use it in opposite way but you are saying the other way around if you are interested in a topic go for in depth i just do it for reading a book like if i'm investing in a like a 500 page book i want to know what is the summary of it does it triggers interest for me if someone has advised like something like that but yes it's a nice way of doing the other way around as well i, yeah, I tend to for example i would find an author interesting i i would tend to read uh, say all the books of that author for example yes yeah and definitely and that gives me a perspective i mean yeah there are a few favorite authors no matter what they right i will just go and read them because i am in love with that authors or their writing style even though probably i didn't like all of their book at such okay going on the consulting industry like that will be my last question on consulting at this point uh, like do you think there are myths like or you do no, uh, notice like when you are people there are misconceptions about the consultant or this consulting way of work which you want to debunk it can be yes or no question so i'll leave it up to you so right i mean uh, the 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 biggest uh, i would say uh, issue that people have with consultants is that they they don't get involved hands on in implementation huh? yeah uh, many times people see consultants as people who come in and tell them what to do rather than work with them to do it i think i think increasingly it's far more important that the consultant not just uh, comes up with ideas but is involved in the entire implementation journey so that they are able to fine tune their recommendations and and make it very very practical in some way mm -hmm. and and then you need to ensure that the journey that you map with the customer includes that implementation support to a point that real benefits or outcomes start to come mm -hmm. I, I would say that's that's one of the things that we as consulting profession needs to do, and and customers increasingly expect to happen too. Okay, yeah, makes make makes sense. Like, yeah, I'm just I was trying to relate in my hand. Yes, absolutely makes sense. Sometimes you just go and do that work, and you sometimes even like just is it going to be at all used or implemented or like. you also try to think like why they have hired and implemented this many pounds or dollars in certain areas when i'm not sure why how they are going to implement it like that's a thought you keep to yourself but yes that thoughts often had came to my mind as well sure. in terms of books and we you already have mentioned one in the beginning in terms of books do you gift people books like a, for a christmas present or anything you give like there are few books you are it's your favorite and we give it to people or definitely suggest everyone to read what will be those books so i i generally definitely i do give books uh for the, the, like this season barack Bar president barack obama's biography is one of my favorites too to, to okay. hand out to some of my friends here uh -huh. uh, 
Yeah, but but yes, and I mean, uh, I probably wouldn't. So I, I, again, I would probably send you a link. At some point of time, I put to another colleague of mine asked for about what are my favorite books. There's a link somewhere. I will send that link to you. Okay, thank you. I'll link it for my in my show notes. And we are quickly going to the end of the show where I will just ask you one question. Like, do you have any mission statement in terms of as a person and also as a consultant? Or it can be the same, it can be different. I will leave it up to you to play with this question. Sure. I mean, I, I saw that question with you. Uh, uh, hold on. I just want to give you the link for the, the list of books. So this was, I mean, I don't maintain this website, uh, this blog um, so much these days. Uh, if you go in there, the last posting there, which is some five, seven years ago, actually has a list of books that was of significant interest to me. All right. Okay. Definitely, I will link it out for in and my then to answer your question, I actually wanted to bring something up. I, I don't know whether you are aware of this concept called an agile manifesto. Huh? So, yes, so in, in Agile movement, there is this concept of a manifesto where they, they spoke about some specific aspects, how they wanted to prioritize something over that. And uh, you should probably speak to this colleague also, Kishore Budde, who is one of our Agile uh, strategists, took that Agile manifesto and converted that into a personal manifesto. Oh. Okay. And then based on, inspired by him, uh, I also started to build a personal manifesto in some way uh, and uh, maybe a good good thing to share with some of your readers. Uh, just want to bring that up. Uh, I don't know whether you can see my screen. Yes, I can uh, see your screen. And anyway, I'll share this with you too. Uh, so there are some of these aspects. I mean, that you, you, you would prioritize value to clients, uh, instead of trying to do internal administrative stuff, uh, lead the customers in thinking instead of just taking orders from them. Uh, because of the role that I have, uh, it's more about enabling others to do rather than doing on my own. Uh, instead of just doing a review, working on a deliverable together, uh, finding solutions rather than pointing out problems. So maybe some of these are, I think this is maybe a, not an exact one-to-one uh, -one answer to your question. But these are some things on the left that I try to prioritize. So, uh, what are on the right? Ah, uh, yes, definitely. Yeah, please send it forward. I will also like uh, like link it in, into the show notes later on when I publish this episode. That's that's very interesting concept of just taking actually an IT agile manifesto thing and uh, develop it into a personal manifesto. That's that's very cool and the very IT. And before uh, wrapping up, I will just thank you for like giving your time and like it's very, very encouraging to me. And like a few months back, I wrote down that I'll interview three vice president. So like you are checking off my dream list at this point when I'm just talking to you and it's uh, absolutely a privilege and I will like to collaborate further and contribute in every possible way. Sure. Uh, uh, yeah, thank you uh, so much. I look much. forward to you, some of you having uh, having these goals and, and working towards that. Right? These, these are good aspects of personal uh, growth that we should encourage in many ways. Look forward to doing that going forward too. 
Uh, definitely. I will keep in touch and send you, send you forward the details. And thank you very, very much for coming to my show. And we will speak you. again and hope you visit UK probably can meet in person at some point in life. So yeah. anyways, I'll give you back thank your you. time back. Enjoy your rest of your day. See you soon. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. So. Thank you for giving me this opportunity. Oh, thanks. So sweet. Thank you, Habib.